So you ran home from the gym? All right, okay. I hit record. I don't know if, like, the recording notification gets recorded. I hope it doesn't, but if it does, whatever. I mean, I don't think so. I think we're good. Yeah. How's it going, man? It's been it's been uh, fun trying to book this. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, I wanted to have this a lot sooner, but, man, uh, it's been life has been busy, and uh, but here we are. Yeah, busy is good, though. Busy is good. I, I say that all the time. I because I've been in I've been in positions where I wasn't busy, and uh, being busy outweighs not being busy by a mile, for yeah. me anyways. But I mean, everybody's different. That's just how I. That's just how I have presented. No, but I, I feel like when you live on the go, you feel like the most alive. Like when things are are go go go, and you kind of have like less time to process things in a way, and yeah. you're just in the moment. Like you feel more I, alive. I, I totally agree um obviously like to me it's good to slow down sometimes sometimes mm-hmm. you need to okay well first of all toronto living in the gta is is like i came from a small town uh of like seventy thousand people mm-hmm. so whenever i go home i get I, i'm reminded of like you know that life is a little bit different away from the gta it's kind of like it's, it's a little bit of a like a rat race i think in the gta obviously like living is isn't cheap and you know, everybody's trying to, to make their bread and, and chase their dream. There's a, the thing about living here is there's a lot of, a ton of opportunity. And that's part of the reason why I moved here. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I've made it a priority in my life as of recent to slow down every so often. Um, like I started meditating a couple times a day. And because I go, 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 go all the time. And I, and I see so many clients and I'm busy with my business and stuff it's it's really good for me to just have you know a couple a couple little time slots a day where i just i'm living the, i'm living in the present i just i slow things down i focus on my breathing and uh yeah it's really it's really really important i mean i'm in the fitness industry but um you know taking things slow and and just slowing down every so often is is really really good for us what does the meditation consist of? Like, what are you, what are you specifically okay, doing with it? Um, basically what meditation is, and a lot of, and the thing is, is like a lot of people tell me like, I can't meditate. Like, how do you meditate? I've tried meditating. I can't shut my, my thoughts out. And it's true. You can't, you really, you can't just stop thinking. You can't just like sit there and like all of a sudden just stop thinking. Um, it, it's a process. So basically all it is, is, you go to a quiet place, like your, your bedroom, shut the lights out, put your headphones on. I listen to like a, 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 a page on Spotify. It's, it's like peaceful med- meditation. So basically, it's just a playlist of a bunch of like um, relaxing songs. I put my headphones on and I focus on my breathing for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. All it is, is you're, you breathe in four seconds and then you breathe out for four seconds and you focus so deeply on your breathing that after a certain point for me it's around the eight minute mark I start to relax and you know for the first like four to seven minutes um you you're you you notice that your these new thoughts keep coming in your head without even you you know without even you trying to think of them and after that eight minute mark of focusing on your breathing you're now so deep deeply focused on your breathing that 
your breath, your, 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 everything calms down. You're now so focused on your breathing that you, you kind of get into a trance a little bit. And that's the meditative state that you're trying to get to. Once you're in that state, you spend about five minutes in that state. And then once you're done, let's say you were, you were anxious, you were overthinking about something, you know, like life gets hard, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Just having those 15 minutes where you're, you're in the present. Oh my God. Like it's, it's been been really life-changing for me. Like I'm into, I'm in the fitness industry, but I preach to everybody about meditation. It's you got to take care of your brain before you take care of your body. The mind, nothing is possible without our, without the mind, without the brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for your muscles to work when you, when you're, when you're at the gym, your, your brain needs to work. If you're not, if you're not in a good state, you're not going to have a good workout. Everything starts from, from the, from the head. Um, so that's kind of why I brought it into to my life. And ever since I brought it into my life, all the, I mean, half to like three quarters of the things that I worry about on a daily basis are now gone. Mm-hmm. So, like, like what? If, if you're comfortable getting into man, it. There's everything there's this, there's, there's always something that's kind of weighing you down, whether it's like, you know, your family, your job, your, 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 just your mental, just your overall mental health. You know, you don't, you don't have to be going through something to be battling something with mental health. Right. Um, everything. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you one of the, one of the points that I basically live by now. And it's, and I haven't really, and I didn't really like, this didn't really clue into me until like pretty recently. And another reason why meditation is so good is because in life, we're always waiting for whatever we're currently going through to pass over. Right. Okay. So whether it's your school, whether it's your, your relationship, whether it's any, any personal things you have going on, we're always waiting for certain things to pass. Right. And the reality of life is once one thing passes, another thing takes that thing spot. So we're always going to have something in our life that kind of is weighing us down, whether someone in our family is going through a hard time and it's kind of, kind of, you know, weighing you down. So you may have better better points in your life than other points but with meditation you become more accepting of you know of those of of, of those things happening Mm -hmm. so to me it's it's i think a lot of people i think that's the the problem the problem with a lot of people is like you know they're always like why me why this why this but we if you look at social media for example it's Mm -hmm. a it's a highlight reel of everybody's life Mm -hmm. but nobody sees you know Nobody posts their struggles. Nobody posts their, you know, their failures. Most people don't. So everybody thinks that like there's this, everybody thinks that their, you know, their life is not as good as, as everyone else's. But the reality is, is like you, you, what we see on social media is not real. It's not the real world. Well, now on social media, it's like people are trying to curate their own lives, right? It's not even like they're posting the highlight reels. They're like targeting things that they want to do in their life for the purpose of like cloud or um the aesthetic on social yeah, media oh yeah. find that like just this aesthetic culture like especially in my generation how everyone wants to live like this certain idealistic aesthetic lifestyle is really detrimental because you're just trying to sift your life down to a highlight reel or at least that's what the goal is and like that's that's not really what life is life isn't just uh 
a highlight reel. Life, I don't know. I'm I, I, in some in some regard, I'm I'm beginning to like appreciate the hardship that comes with life in a way, like challenges. Like, I I, I appreciate challenges more these days. I kind of jumped all over the place there, but listen, uh, the good times, the good times are the good times, right? And they build memories. But in terms of growing as a human being and learning lessons in life. We learn a lot more from the bad times and the struggles than we do from, from the good things happening. But we live, we live through those struggles so that we can, we can, uh, so that we can have the good days. You, 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 deal with the, you deal with the bad days. There wouldn't be good days without bad days. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. If everything was always just even keel, you know, there wouldn't be much to life. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So if you haven't, if you, if you haven't gone into it before, I, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are kind of against that, uh, the whole idea of like meditating and stuff like that. I'm not even like that spiritual, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I do it because I feel better mentally and it allows me to just, it, it allows me to be a lot more calm as a person, first of all, but I'm not, I, I'm not the things that would phase me before wouldn't, it won't exactly phase me now. You know, because when you're go, when you wake up and you're go 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 from the morning you, the, from the second you wake up in the morning and the, until until you, until the evening time, all of that stuff accumulates throughout the day, and then it, it it allows us to be, it causes us to be a little bit more edgy. You know what I mean? So, um, I think slowing things down is is one of the keys to life, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you I mentioned like. Uh, how the GTA is busier for you? It's a little bit more hectic. Like, where are you from initially? I'm from a small town of Sarnia, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm from London, southwestern Ontario. Very small. Sarnia is honestly like it's it's almost like a smaller version of of Woodbridge. It's very Italian community, um, and but there's also a lot of you know um, there's a lot of, also a lot of farmers. In the, in the in the area in the suburbs the rural areas as well so um it's just you know it's just it's just a it's just a different dynamic you know what i mean it's like near detroit it's, right what's that it's near detroit yeah it's yeah. it's a so like sarnia is a border city to port here on michigan and if you cross the, the border you're like a 50 minute drive from detroit that's how kind of i got into like being a detroit sports fan which well just football but yeah uh, but yeah Toronto and Detroit Mm -hmm. yeah uh do you want to talk a little bit about like how you played in the CFL and stuff like that and what yeah I could I could I could talk I could talk about my CFL about my CFL journey because it's it's a very um it's a very like odd journey was not the not the quite not the journey that most people take to the cfl um and it all started um i started playing football in grade 10 i wasn't i wasn't a football star in high school by any means i just loved it i actually played soccer my whole life so i started playing football in grade 10 i started out as a kicker of the football team because i was a soccer player and i you know, I hadn't hit, uh, I didn't hit puberty until grade 11. So I was kind of like this little, you know, soccer player, like 
I was, I think I was like five foot six or seven until grade 11. You know, totally spread out. Um, but once I did hit my growth spurt, I ended up becoming an okay football player by grade 12 and then at my grade 13, but never start. Like I never had like a lot of like schools recruiting me or anything like that. I was lucky enough to have one school basically taking a look at me and that was the university of Windsor. And, um, uh, one of the coaches came and saw our game and he invited me out to training camp in Windsor. Sorry. I have to tell you this whole story. So Not awesome. thing uh, happened. Um, and the, anyways, this coach of the university of Windsor, he, he's like, okay, we like you. We're going to bring you to camp. So I was going into the university of Windsor that year. Unfortunately, that coach got fired. So a new coach came in and I was like, okay, it is what it is. I'm still going to camp. Um, showed up to every single workout, off-season workouts, everything. Went out to training camp and um, I was the very last, I, I was having a great camp. I thought I was for sure I was going to make the team. And I was the very last cut on that team. So, I'm, so my first stint of football um, in university, I got cut. And um, Damn. I remember going back to my dorm room and I was like, pretty devastated. I remember crying. I was like, I, I wanted it so bad. It just got taken away from me. And that's, that's life. I think that was one of the first like life lessons where you, you just kind of deal with something that you wanted so bad. It just didn't happen. That's life. So anyways, that the coach that ended up that initially recruited me in the first place, he reached out to me and he was like, well, look, I'm coaching the junior football team in Windsor now, the city team. It's not as good a football, but but he's like, I, I still want you to come play for me. I, I'll, I want to develop you for the next five years and hopefully get you a shot in the CFL. So to me, in my, in my head at the time, I'm like, okay, like, you know, this is, this is obviously a, the CFL thing is like obviously a long shot, you know, like I just got cut from not one of the better programs in, in you know, the university of football. So, but I was like, you know what? I love the sport and I'm going to, I'm going to continue playing. So I ended up staying at school in Windsor and playing for this junior team for five years. And I started off playing on the bench and then worked my ass off until my last couple of years. I was a starter and I won defensive player of the year. And nice. uh, um, yeah, so I, I, ended, I, was, I, was, I was driving home. I got home uh, one winter and um, I got I had a guy made a highlight tape for me with for the, my junior football league. And usually CFL teams, like they don't typically take junior football players. Like, you know, they want university for the Canadians in the CFL. They want American Americans, sorry, Canadians who went overseas to play in the U S or, or overseas anywhere in the, in the world. Um, and they want university players from Canada, junior football league in Canada. is like, there's a couple guys maybe every so often that will like get, get picked. Anyways, so I, I worked my ass off for a few years. I, I, I put everything I had towards it, basically. Um, and I got a, I went home, drove home from Windsor one night, and, uh, and my whole family was there. My phone rang, and it was the head coach for Saskatchewan, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, his name's Chris Jones, one of the he's, – He's a very well-known coach in the NFL, CFL, and, and college sports in the U.S. 
And he called me and he said, hey, I saw your highlight tape. Um, we want to bring you out to mini camp in Florida. So, um, and he, and anyway, so for mini camp was like a, was a month and a little bit away from when he called me. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to come. So hung up and my family couldn't believe it. They were, they were, my family was, you know, they were, they were being, they were, they were being more realistic with, about the dream. They're like, Dylan, like, go, just go back to teacher's college, become a French teacher, like, give up the dream already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, no. And at that time, I was the one of the only, I was the only person who believed that I was going to become a professional football player. The only person. So to this day, I always tell people, it doesn't matter if one person, two people believe in what your, what your, what your dream and where your goal is chase it because when you're on your deathbed one day and you look back at your your youth are you going to be happier that you chased your dream or are you going to look back and be like oh like why didn't i chase why didn't i go after that mm-hmm. so that's my motto you're everybody's you're everybody's their own separate entity nobody has to live in your skin but you course every other people's opinions in your family matter but at the end of the day you got to go after your dreams and you got to work if you're serious about doing something you have to put everything you have towards it and leave no stone unturned but if it doesn't happen at least you know you gave it your all right so but i'll get to that to the point later about my whole theory on hard work but went to mini camp in florida there was like 110 players there I was one of the only Canadians. I looked at the list of players. It was like Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State, all the top Division One schools, and, and all these players. And 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 I'm looking, and, and then there's, and then my name pops up, and it says Junior Football Windsor, like not even a, not even like a, a a university team. So I was like, oh God, okay, like, this is, uh, do I belong here? So I I almost psyched myself out. I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna go, like. I don't want to embarrass myself. Then I, you know what? I was like, I'm going to take that leap of faith. I'm going to go. So I went and it ended up going really well. Not that I, not because I was one of the most skilled guys there, but I, I was one of the hardest working guys there. I, I was hustling all over the field, you know, and uh, camp came to mini camp came to an end in Barrow beach, Florida. And coaches started like approaching players and, and, the players who got approached were getting an invite to training camp, which is the main camp. Okay. Just to put things into perspective for you, um, every season for my team, anyways, I'm pretty sure this is the same for every team. Each team tries out around 2000 players from North America. Out of those 2000 players, a hundred players get invited to mini camp in Florida. Wow. And then, and then maybe like 40 get invited to training camp on top of the roster that they already have. So they already have their roster from the year before, right? So when you're going into camp, well, maybe not the exact same roster because some guys are contract ends and free agency and all that stuff. But you're basically going into camp as the underdog. So I got invited to training camp. I remember the depth chart was 10 guys long at middle linebacker, which is this position I played on defense. And, um, I was like, okay, 
They didn't even give me a linebacker number. They gave me number 79, which is not even a linebacker number whatsoever. Um, and I remember getting into camp and be like, okay, um, here we go. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave it all out there and see what happens. So training camp starts. I, I basically got my ass handed to me the first couple of practices until I kind of got use of the speed of things. I'm playing against guys that are like triple the size of the guys I was playing with in junior and guys are way faster, way more physical, way more skilled. So it was like speed of play was just like super, super fast. So anyways, I get into camp and um, I have a good practice and then uh, a guy gets hurt. So I move up to the ninth on the depth chart and then uh, a guy has a bad practice. I have a good practice. I move up to eight. And then a couple of guys, other guys got hurt. It's like the survival of the fittest. Like whoever, you know, training camp is three weeks long of four hour practices a day. It's not easy. That's anyway, that's tough. I got to the point where I was, it was one and two on the, on the, uh, the depth chart. I was number two and around a bit behind his name is Greg Jones. He, he won, um, he won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. Oh, He's, wow. He was one of the best great, he's ranked one of the best college football linebackers in, in, in this United States of America. Uh, and then a little backstory for that is when I was in high school, our football coach brought us to Michigan State to, to watch one of their practices because my coach was very Americanized by the way he, he saw football. And who was the starting linebacker at Michigan State when my when we went with my high school team? Greg Jones. So I get to camp and I and I I'm like, oh my God, Greg Jones is, is a starting linebacker here. Like I was, I was once in high school, like looking up to this guy as the top linebacker in the States. He was a little bit older at the time, but yeah, worked up way, way up the depth chart and uh, ended up second preseason game. It was, he was playing the first half. I was playing the whole second half. I was the number two slate on the depth chart and uh, uh, first half had a great, great half. I played on special teams in the first half. He played on defense. I did well on special teams. Second half, I'm going in on defense now. And uh, I remember my legs were just shot from from the first um, from from training camp from the three weeks. This was like the last game, and uh, I was running across the field. Hamstring pulls. So I pulled my hamstring, and I've never been hurt a single time in football before in my life. Like, are you serious? Like now, really? So I got tested it once again. I got tested, and um, the coach ended up telling me after training camp, "Hey, because you're like a because you're a junior player and, and you're a rookie, and you're hurt, we don't have a spot on our roster for you going into season because we can't have an injured player on our roster. That's a, that's a junior. Or sorry, that's a that's an injured player. So he said." We're going to bring you back to Saskatchewan and we're going to heal your injury. Then we're going to, you're going to go right back on the, on the roster. And uh, he hold, held true to his word. And I went back to Regina, Saskatchewan, rehabbed my, my injury. And then I was back on the line, in the lineup. And I ended up dressing 11 games for them that year and got my ass whooped for the first couple of games. Cause it was, it was insane how much different it was. And then I kind of started coming into my own towards the end of the season. And then um, that was the end of my first season. Before I, before I go into the next season, I don't know if you 
sure you probably have a couple of questions or something like that. If you wanted to ask a couple of questions before I get into the next, uh, or I can just go right into it. Like, like, uh, what's your strategy for mental toughness in a situation like that? Like where you're getting your ass handed to you, uh, your backs up against the wall. You have to be clutch. You have to perform. What's like your key um, to staying clear okay. and to staying mentally tough. So let me think about this for a second, because it's, uh, basically, and I have, um, I used to be, I used to like, I used to, to basically, um turtle under pressure and the way i look at it is when you're faced with pressure you could either worry about the negative outcome and usually when people worry about the uh, negative outcome happening they they blow it so how did you make it there in the first place you're pretty good at football so work hard have fun and just tell yourself mentally that you belong there. Don't think about the negative outcome that could happen because if you do, typically that leads to you blowing it and making mistakes that you're not typically used to making. And that's, listen, there's a reason why NHL teams have preseason. There's a reason why every single sports, professional sports team and all sports teams have preseason games. It's not only to prepare them for games. It's because guys can be really good in practice, but when the lights come on and everything's on the line, yes. some guys crumble under pressure, you know, and I've done it a couple of times. It took me a couple of times of, you know, getting my ass handed to me to realize like, why am I, why am I doing Like, why am I beating myself? Why am I putting so much pressure on myself? And it's obviously easy to put pressure on yourself when, when you're, when you're playing at that level and, you know, there's 20, there's almost uh, 30,000 people in the crowd mm -hmm. screaming at you, you know, so easier said than done, but that's my whole, that's my whole theory on, you know, pressure, you know, pressure creates diamonds, yeah. pressure takes us out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. We never grow in our comfort zone. So yeah. at this point in my life, I'd rather be put my, I'd rather put myself in a place that's out of my comfort zone than live in my comfort zone. Cause it's, it's comfortable to live in our comfort zone and just do the things that, you know, we're for sure, we're sure that we're, we're not going to screw yeah. up. Being content is a very dangerous thing. Absolutely. You know, um, one, this is even football related, but I used to be a, a terrified of speaking in front of people. When I was in, when I was in high school, I would be terrified of class presentations. Like I'd always purposely try to go last. And I was so terrified. And yeah. then once high school was done, I, I started putting myself in, in the position to talk in front of people. And the more I did it, the more I became comfortable with it. So mm -hmm. all these like, you know, all these fears that we have, we can overcome, you know, you just have to get, you just have to get used to putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and just rolling with the outcome. Yeah. Like, you know what? I may not win. I might, may not win this today, but 
I'm still putting myself in a position that I'm extremely uncomfortable in, and there's a good chance that I could come out of this with some growth. And that's why, and that's why I think that way nowadays. You know what I mean? Like I used to I'll never, never put myself in positions like that, but it's, it's essential for growth. So Saskatchewan, uh, you, you played for the Rough Riders. Saskatchewan's like a big football place, right? Oh yeah. Regina specifically, right? So it's, it's a small community, but like we, for home games you know, during the regular season, we averaged um, 34,000 fans a game. There's that many people there? 34,000, dude. Like I went from like 300 fans to 34,000. And you're running out of the tunnel and it's just like, the first time running out of that tunnel, like when I was when when I was in the preseason, my first year, was like the craziest experience of my life. Like, it just gives me goosebumps. Like thinking about it, like the nostalgia. It's just the biggest roar ever, you know. And you're just running out of the tunnel. Like, wow, all that work I put in up to this point has has led to this, and it was so worth it. You know, yeah. that's why I tell people, that's why I preach to this day. Anybody who's younger than me, chase your dreams. You're going to, you're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have people trying to steer you away from your goal, but lock out all that noise, go after what you love, what you're passionate about until it becomes a reality because too many people are influenced by, you know, the opinions of people who, okay, your parents' opinions, they matter. People who are very close to you matter. But all that other noise of people influencing around you, trying to influence your, your, your decision-making, that usually gets people off track. You got to stay on track. You gotta stay on course. You gotta think what what drives me, what 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 fuels me to wake up every day, and you gotta go after it. The money will follow if you go after something you're passionate about. The money will follow. I work in the fitness industry. Yeah, most fitness jobs are not lucrative, but if you become one of the best in the industry, you can you can put yourself in a in a really really good position financially. And yeah. that goes with everything. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you got to do what you love. And it's, and- the fitness industry, especially because it's always been pretty saturated, but now, especially with like the TikTok influencer and stuff like that, anybody's posting like a uh, 15 to like 40 second stretching tutorial, morning routine, wellness routine. It's, it's not, exactly. even, it's not even, it's not even like workouts in specific it's just like motivational content that people are putting out it's like if you half half the stuff working in the fitness industry is not like fitness itself it's like just motivational content to get people to be interested in being fit absolutely man and that that's that's the same with the the supplement industry yeah The, the supplement industry is bigger than the actual fitness industry people get intrigued oh i get to i get to take protein powder i can take you know BCAAs, branch branch chain amino acids during my work, sip on those during my workout. People like the the fact of like doing those things and like talking about that they're you know getting fit and stuff like that, which is honestly good. Like I I'd rather see motivational stuff on the internet than stuff that's just 
pointless. And don't get me wrong. I love all the, I love the mindless stuff that I see online. Like the TikTok is like one of the funniest platforms. Like I, TikTok brings people, it's a lot of happiness and probably a lot of sadness too. But but for me, yeah, TikTok is really get caught in the algorithm for like 40 minutes and there goes your yeah. night. You know what I mean? And, and like, that's, go to bed. that's the thing. Yeah. The algorithm is like a highlight of all the things that you talk about and the things that you like and, and all and stuff. So for, to, for me, I, TikTok is more of like a, I, I like it for like the, the humor. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously like there's a ton of good fitness stuff on there. A ton of, you know, not so good fitness stuff too right yeah. so for me personally like i've had clients like ask me like hey like i saw this on tiktok like is this like is this right and like sometimes it is sometimes it's not but a lot of people are very like highly influenced based off of what they see on like tiktok and in the internet you know yeah. what I mean? sometimes the, sometimes the facts get lost yeah i saw like a workout on tiktok uh, I don't know if, or not a work, uh, like a, a way to lift weights where you put a dumbbell on your foot and you wrap a band around it and you like bring your foot up and down like this yeah. to strengthen. Like, I don't know if, I think it's like, yeah, the, you know what? that's, that's actually one of the best exercises you can do. Yeah. I was like, I want to try that, but I haven't yet. So, well, for that exercise specifically is geared towards people that have like so it's been meant to strengthen your tibialis anterior which is like a part of the front of your of the front of your leg yeah um and if anybody who has shin splints if anybody watching this or listening to this has shin splints find a way to attach uh, an ankle weight or any weight to your to your foot and then just flex your foot up flexing those muscles there for example the runners like running runners develop shin splints or anybody who, who Plays sports or does anything like that will could develop shin splints. Yeah, that's one of the best, uh, pick a bag stuff like that. that. Yeah, yeah. So. Listen, uh, do you have to go now? No, I can, I can, I can go for for, for a little longer. All right, I kind of finished the whole Saskatchewan thing. Too. Right, let's let's get back to that. Um, so okay, first year came to a close. I signed a two in one contract, which is like two two years with the team, third years an option. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my second year coming into the to the league, I was bigger, faster, stronger, more confident. I was ready to have a breakout year. You know, the coaches were were very, you know, they they were talking to me saying like, you know, this is the year. Like you're, we want to we're planning on using you on defense this year, so getting you into more defense packages. Um, so first, uh, my first four games of the year, I was playing lights out, best football of my career. Fourth game into the sorry, fifth game into the season, no, sixth game into the season. I was um, locked up with a guy on special teams, and I took a step into the turf, and my my knee buckled, and I ruptured my ACL. Uh. Ruptured, completely torn. A ruptured ACL, torn meniscus, torn um, MCL, and then sprained joint capsule. So once again, I was hit with another feat of adversity. I was like, oh my God, why, why me? Why is this happening again? <laughs> so anyways, they didn't think it was torn. And then I had my MRI the, the, the following um, couple of days later. And, you know, the doctors called me in and they're like, 
you, you, your knee is not looking good. Like this, this, it's not looking good for your career at this point. So I, I was like, okay, so I, I, you know, I had my, my, my moment to sulk and to, you know, be down about it. And then I, and then, and then things started to clue in. I was like, okay, I've been in a position before where all the odds were stacked against me mm-hmm. and I've defied those odds. So I'm going to hold on to that chance and I'm going to work as hard as I work to get to the CFL. I'm going to apply that same work ethic towards rehabbing this injury. Mm-hmm. Because most guys, unless you're a star, or even if you're a star, the chances of you coming back after an ACL injury of that magnitude are very slim. So I took, I spent like six hours a day during the off season rehabbing. And uh, that's all I did. Two hours in the gym, hour massage, two hours with the trainer doing rehab exercises ice massage elevation i dedicated my entire day to rehabbing this injury i was like i'm not i came too far to let this fall this soon so um seven months later training camp comes around i'm ready to go i came back from the injury i got cleared from the team doctor to come back without a knee brace that's how hard i rehabbed i built the muscle around my knee so much that I got cleared to come back without a knee brace, which is pretty rare with, with an ACL injury. Um, and uh, this was this was year this was year um, this was training camp in my my third year. Sorry, that I came back. Um, had probably the best training camp out of all three years, and uh, the team ended up not picking up my option. So I had a really good training camp. In a training camp, they're like, you know what? Like, thank you for everything. We're not going to pick up your option. This is basically the end of the road for you. So I came back from the injury. I was pumped, but they obviously didn't want to take a chance on me. So I was hit with another feat of adversity. So I ended up moving home to Sarnia. And my agent was still, you know, he's like, I don't know, like, you know, who's going to, be testing the waters on you, but you know, I'm going to, he's like, stay in good shape and I'll see what I can do. Um, I remember I was at home. Um, I was obviously recovered at that point. Cause I went through a whole training camp with, with Sask. And mm-hmm. then I got a call from um, the Hamilton tire cats. And mm-hmm. um, he said, Hey, we, uh, we want to give you a shot. So ended up, Hamilton's a couple hours away from my hometown. So it's basically me playing in my backyard. Um, so they, they, I had to get, be there for my physical. And uh, my agent called me at like two in the morning. I was like, I, I thought I was dreaming. He's like, hey, the Hamiltons, they want to bring you in tomorrow for a physical and get you on the field right away. And I was like, I was like, I thought I was dreaming. Yeah. Um, anyways, I didn't really sleep that night. Woke up the next day, went for my physical and passed it. And next thing you know, I'm on the fields and I'm walking out the tunnel in Hamilton. I'm like, holy shit, like <laughs> it's happening again. You know what I mean? Didn't didn't give up, just kept kept moving forward. And 
boom, now I'm going to Hamilton. Ended up making the team, played a, played a year and a half with Hamilton. And then um, I, it was kind of, I had an opportunity to basically uh, go my own way. I had played enough time in the CFL, uh, did enough damage on my body and probably my brain. And I decided to, to move on. And then, and, and now and what I'm doing, I'm in the fitness industry, which I'm very passionate about. Um, and to this day, I, I apply that same formula that I used years ago that has not proved me wrong yet towards what I'm doing and it's, and it's paying off. So lesson learned here is never give up no matter what, because you just heard, you just heard of adversity after adversity, after adversity, after adversity. That, that goes with anything in life. It doesn't matter if, like I, this is for football, but if you have other, you have other aspirations, whether it's to get accepted in a certain program, you're going to have obstacles. Life always isn't always going to be fair. And sometimes you're going to ask yourself, why, why is this happening to me? But I wouldn't take anything, anything back that's happened up to this day for anything, because I'm ultimately the happiest that I've been where, where I am right now. So everything that has happened up to this point, I feel like has, has basically happened for a reason. And nice. that's basically, that's basically my career in a nutshell. There's, there's a lot more obviously that I could share about within all, all my years playing football, but um, that's probably the, the most important lesson of my entire football career that I, that I took away from it anyways. Yeah. Where do you look to be in the next five years? Like, where do you see yourself moving in the fitness industry? Um, in the next five years, owning my own um, facility, having um, a big staff of, of employees and just making an impact on as many people's lives in a positive way as possible because that's evidently why I do this. I do this, I, I'm in the fitness industry to help people. It's, it's rewarding that I get to help people change their life for the better, basically. Um, and that's why I kind of started being an advocate for meditation and stuff, because I feel like um, meditation goes hand in hand with, with fitness and with both of those things together, oh my God, it can change, change anybody's life. I've helped a lot of people overcome like anxiety, depression, all that stuff and for me it's not just about transforming people's bodies for me it's more about transforming people's minds and if i can help transform people's minds sure i can if i can help somebody make if i can help someone feel better about the way they look great but at the end of the day if you can help the way they feel about themselves and help their confidence help their overall mental health i feel like that's that's the most rewarding part of my job i think Mm -hmm. yeah so that's great, man. Anyways, uh, we've been rolling for some time now. Uh, I would like to thank you uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate yeah, it. Course. Do you have anything to shout out? Uh, shout out to you for, for, for having these podcasts, man. It's, it's always good to, to talk about things. And I'm sure you've learned a lot from just talking to different people. Yeah. And, you know, when I, whenever I go on a podcast, I hope that I can, you know, that you can leave better than the way than than you than you came into the podcast yeah so 
I hope you learned a few things from, from my experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, that could, that could evidently help you, uh, with your own path, I guess. For so. sure, man. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm glad we did it. I'm yeah, glad me too. Anytime, anytime, man. All right, man, for sure. Uh, take care. All the best. Yeah, you too.